All right, welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane. As always, I have this gorgeous hunk of a man, Alex Friedman, with me. He's a badass strength coach out of Denver, Colorado. I am a sports chiropractor, supplement strength coach, as well as a wrestling coach in Scottsdale, Arizona. Today, we're going to be talking about conditioning and does road work really translate into our MMA and into our combat athletes? Yeah, I think just like we were talking about, I think there's a time and place for both generalized conditioning work, you know, running, foot on the pavement, biking, uh, some of those more general like air dining things you do in the weight room. And I think there's a big um, place as well for specific conditioning, you know, with it on the mats, uh, in the wrestling room, uh, going rounds with a bag, um, things like that, that are more controlled i think a lot of coaches run crazy with it you know saying like we're going to do two minutes of live wrestling one minute off for 30 minutes i think uh, everybody goes nuts for that type of stuff but i think there there's a time and a place for a little more controlled specific conditioning drill well i think a, a good point to make is so i i both do strength conditioning and the wrestling coach so we know that there's a there's a good lactic or anaerobic test that you can do is a 30 30 test 30 seconds on 30 seconds off i did that a couple days ago during a wrestling live go and i did that a couple days ago for an aerodyne circuit for a mma athlete there was a huge difference in output between wrestling as well as aerodyne so on the aerodyne i I always tell my athletes look there's nowhere to hide on that bike like you're gonna figure it out real quick if you've fucked up in the first eight seconds real quick in wrestling you can kind of coast a little bit you can you can coast you can hang on your opponent you can do these different things so that's where i think conditioning in the weight room is going to be a little bit more beneficial because you get to learn how to use your system learning how to use your system then from there you have to bring it into your sport bring it into the actual onto the actual mat and then you can translate it into performance so you're saying your guys did they not know how to do the aerodyne for 30 seconds and they got gassed or are you saying they gave a lot more effort than they did honestly i think it was both i think a they didn't know how to use their lactate system and b they they were sitting on the bike and there's only one goal Wrestling is a multifactorial objective, right? So that means there's so many different things you can do and you can get caught up thinking. When I put somebody on an aerodyne bike, there's one goal. For 30 seconds, pedal as fast as possible, and then you get a 30-second break. And you can do that. We only did it. We could only go for three cycles in a row before that athlete was dog shit tired. Yeah, yeah I think that, that gets into a little more like, like the intent behind the movement or the intent behind what you're doing, right? Because when you can simplify something, you can maybe target it and work harder. But to the same degree, you know, if you're in, I don't know, in a a actual competition and you have 30 seconds left and you go, then again, you're not as aware and maybe you guess and, and throw, you know, three combinations and are done in 10 seconds rather than the 30 seconds to the end of the round or something. So Bro, if, if there's 30 seconds left, I'm jumping on you like a fucking spider monkey. <laughs> like I am getting doing anything I can to take you down in a wrestling match or in a fight. I'm doing literally anything I can to knock your ass out. Not happening. Austin could not <laughs> take me down or knock me out. Just he, throwing it he knows that's a hundred percent false. It's true. You refuse to wrestle me time and time and again at school. And it's because we're in two different weight classes. Uh, I think you have too many concussions. I don't think you, you remember what actually happened. I'm the one but with any, concussions. 
Oh, I got a lot of concussions. Yeah, that's that's a true thing. Uh, <laughs> but any but anyways, um, it's Alex is right. It's one of those things that a where you're at and the situation does matter, right? So in practice, people might not be able to push themselves as hard as in a competition. But again, that goes back to what is the intent of the workout and getting your intent across to the athlete because you need to get them ready to go. And like we talked, we talked about in a previous podcast where you shouldn't be the one that needs to stimulate the athlete, right? They should be a go-getter. They should be able to do it on their own. But the matter of fact point is not everybody is that. So then if they're not that, you need to do it on your own as the coach, you need to get them ready to go and you need to get the point across. Look, like there's a, there's a Paul Giamatti movie. I don't remember the name, but it's about wrestling. And they talk about like working on bottom and doing a stand up and getting out from bottom. And it's, they call the move, do whatever the fuck it takes. Like we were doing cage wrestling for that 30 second on 30 second off. And I literally just looked at my athletes. I'm like, do whatever the fuck it takes to get off. I don't care. Poke them in the eye, punch them in the balls. I don't care, but get the fuck off the cage. And if you don't do that, that's a problem because you need to work maximally for 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that move that I hit that one a lot in uh, yeah. college or yeah, that's, that's <laughs> how I got that. That's how I got up a lot is just, just do whatever the fuck it takes. Like I felt like, like literally I felt like I was drowning on bottom. Yeah. And that's how people should feel. If you're on the cage, you should feel like you're drowning. Yeah. And I mean, I, and again, conditioning is, is one of the number one factors in like cage wrestling or, or clinch stand-up work on the cage, I think, because, you know, once you get tired, you'll settle for that position. Even though you're not winning the position, you get to lay on the cage and rest. That's a huge factor in motivation as well. But I like what you're saying earlier about the coach has to be very clear and concise about what they expect out of a drill. Um, I think too many times, we as coaches assume that the athlete understands what we've been thinking or understands what we've planned for them. And we don't communicate and clarify our expectations for a drill. And that's something that I consciously do every workout, you know? Um, so within a conditioning session, I even make the point to explicitly say, all right, your goal today is not to work hard and be a, a repeat special. Your goal today is to burst hard, be a absolute animal for eight to 10 seconds and then sit in the corner for 90 like hang out relax because we need to train in that case we need to train at a maximal intensity with a recovered state in order to up that threshold of the alactic system or, or whatever what have you but i think communicating that intent and your expectation as a coach also just teaching your athletes about the training cycle and training in general helps them hopefully if they're invested enough to gain an understanding and then invest a little bit more into what they're doing, which is ultimately what you plan. Well, and that also comes down to, I know some skill coaches listen to this as a skill coach. You can't just be focused on technique. This is where you need that backbone of, you need to know what is the goal of the, what is the goal of the exercise, right? If the goal of your entire workout is to just do technique, you're leaving valuable time on the table. Why don't you do technique based around a certain schematic that's going to improve their aerobic capacity, that is going to improve their alactic threshold, Wh whatever you so choose, whatever, whatever the drill actually is, but base it around what is going to make your athlete better and what is going to increase their conditioning as well as their technique. Because I think that leaves a lot on the table. And that's, that's kind of one of the things we want to bring and kind of bringing it full circle to what is building a fighter. As building a fighter, that's what we want to teach you guys. 
we want to be able to tell the, the skill coaches, look, this is, this is how you make your fighter more efficient and make their conditioning a little bit better. And then also tell the, the strength coaches, look, this is how you hold mitts a little bit so you can implement in some conditioning or this is, this is how, what a scramble is. So you can implement whether, whether you're grappling or you bring somebody in a little bit of grappling in their conditioning session, because if you're working to the best of the athlete, you need to be able to implement and talk the same damn language. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, that's tearing down the silos, right? You know, it's not, it's not an athlete goes to strength conditioning. That's where they work on conditioning. And then the athlete goes to practice and all they're doing is technique, right? There's a blending and a mixed approach that goes into all of that. And the more that we can be cross-educated as coaches and understand this coach, you know, had their, um, whatever their guard game, but they were also working on, you know, a lactate emphasis because they were giving him 90 second goes or whatever that they had planned already. I can understand that as a strength coach and I can know how to better plan my week and better prepare that athlete so that we're not, you know, hammering two workouts back to back and creating an overtrained state and then losing the rest of the week. Right. Well, and also, so bringing it to my, to my neck of the woods, the healthcare side of things for, for, healthcare practitioners, PTs, ATs, chiros, whoever you are that's working, if you do happen to be working with insurance, that's called higher level thinking. That is higher level programming for your athlete's rehab because you're able to think, all right, so I'm not just trying to do a knee, total knee extension or a TKE to help their knee. I'm also going to increase their aerobic capacity, which is then going to push nutrients through the system better. That is going to increase recoverability and I'm going to do it for a certain time frame. So bringing in our MMA and bringing in our conditioning that we're talking about right now is going to impact our higher level programming, which is so, so important for if you're in the insurance game, you getting reimbursed at a higher level. You get paid more if you think about these things. Did not know that. Also, yeah, I dude, always... insurance insurance sucks. There's, there's so many things wrong with insurance. All right, well, I'll, I'll let you handle that. Um, I also always thought... And I think this is just kind of a vernacular thing. I thought it was terminal knee extension, not total knee extension. But. Oh, dude, I don't know. I make names up. I'll be honest with you. I just know it's TKE <laughs> and I, I don't do them. So no, because they're, had, they're a waste of time. I had a, uh, no, I had an interesting conversation today. And it's going off on a little bit of talent tangent. Um, where I'm going, we're transferring all of our programming into an online platform, right? And uh, so I'm, I'm making videos and putting them in, trying to articulate some of the weird shit that I program. And I, I even talked to one of my fellow coaches and was like, I don't know what to call this. I just make it up. <laughs> and obviously Should I make I, it up for uh, logical reasons and a movement pattern that I, I see and believe in, but it's like, what is this called? Yeah. Once, once I get to an entire 10 word sentence, I know I need to, sh- <laughs> I know I need to shorten the name because I just make up names of exercises as I go. And then I just start making acronyms from there. Because I know it's too long. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, down the rabbit hole. Anyway, uh, but I, I think it's important to have that integrated system and have an understanding of where you as a coach is, with on the mats or even in the strength and conditioning setting can combine and play with some of these disciplines. Alex, so what is one thing that tomorrow, if I ask a skill coach to listen to this podcast, that if they listen to this, they can implement into their skill practice that's going to increase the conditioning of their athletes? I would, I would just plan out the focus of the day for your conditioning. Um, I would pick one specific area. Um, whether you have a lot of physiological knowledge or not is less important, but I would pick one day we're working on hard explosive type of movements 
okay, and we're going to focus on being explosive and then having a, a lot of recovery or maybe going really hard for eight to 10 seconds and then get a lot of rest, like maybe drilling a technique in that time and then going really hard again and then plan out that specific stress for one day. And then maybe another day, plan out the specific stress of a grind match or a, a longer duration and intense workout and then understand the, the amount of the recovery that it's going to take. That hard intensity day that you're doing very short goes is not going to take as much recoverability time as that 30-minute grind match day or those uh, live intervals that you're going to program. Well, that's also a good point that recovery is such an important part of the conditioning paradigm that a lot of people overlook right? Recovery is just as important as the conditioning training in itself. Because if you can't recover on the stool, if you can't recover from a workout, you're not going to get 100% output of that next workout. So this brings in our aerobic capacity. This brings in our cardiac output method. Everybody wants to do high intensity training. Nobody wants to do the slow zone two, so a lower heart rate bike work or anything like that, That's that's or running or road work that's going to increase their cardiac output because while that isn't the main part of conditioning and that's why it's in the title, it is still an important part that's going to make you a better athlete and that not a lot of people like to talk about. That's going to increase the longevity of not just your career, but your life. That's the stuff that when you're 37 and you're thinking about ending MMA, that's the stuff that makes you be able to get the extra lap, like that last payday. Yeah, uh, 100%. I think the, the aerobic capacity is 100% overlooked and maybe not overlooked in the sense of a lot of athletes, I think still, or a lot of wrestlers I know do the long duration runs or do the, the um, again, just slow uh, recoverability type of endurance training. But it's hugely important to have in the background so that you can make it through a 90 to two, 90 minute to two hour wrestling practice and still have quality reps at the end, or you can make it through even that aerobic capacity is going to help you make it through your week and still be able to train at a high quality on Friday and maybe Saturday. I think that foundational aerobic ability is just going to increase your ability to recover and continue to train at a high quality. Well, and I also think that this is a good segue into there's a lot of skill coaches that think that strength and conditioning is just going to make their athletes like bulkier. It's going to make them stronger and you can't focus on strength and conditioning at the same time. And me and you both know that like just because of our education, that's just 100% false. You can focus on both of those skills at the same time and increase your athlete's conditioning while making them stronger. So Alex, I'll let, can you, can you elaborate and tell the skill coaches that are listening yeah, and I mean, how I you can do that? An easy term to, to look up if, if you're questioning any of that stuff is concurrent training. You know, concurrent training is training to be the strongest possible, as well as being in the best shape or the most endurance shape possible at the same time. And it's easily achieved by by many athletes. And in, in a training sense, a lot of MMA athletes are at a high level within their specific discipline of martial arts or within jujitsu, wrestling, etc. But they have a relatively novice uh, strength conditioning or training or foundational age in that sort of realm. And it's been proven time and time again, novice trainees, novice athletes in the training setting can make those concurrent gains very readily. So they get in better shape and stronger at the same time. And that doesn't mean that they're gaining weight at all. Um, and I think that's a huge, again, misnomer within the field. We can get in better shape, get a lot stronger purely through the central nervous system and through um, mortar recruitment and things like that, not just adding size. Well, and we can also do like, you can do consistent work with strength work too. 
right? And that that's kind of what he's talking about. Like an easy way to do that is you throw somebody on a 20 minute clock and you're doing strength movements, but you're continuing to go through at a, a little bit lower weight, but you have them on the clock and they're just doing continuous movement, just as if they were doing any sort of different exercise or they're in a wrestling practice, they need to continue to drill. You're just doing that with strength-based movements over and over and over again. So you're also increasing their cardiac out or not just cardiac output, but their aerobic system in general. Yeah. And, and there's a million different ways that you can combine intensities and velocities and frequencies and, and things like that. And the, that's what I like to do as a strength coach. I like to play with those variables and see what gets the best results for athletes, both in the weight room and on the mat that we can visibly see, but it's all about the end desired goal. You're, lo you're looking at the sport and you're looking at what are the demands of the athlete? How can I best prepare them in the most general sense? And in that later down the line within a program in a more specific sense to accomplish those goals and to be able to crush them. Um, and that brings me back again to specific modalities on condition, um, whether we're on the mat and, you know, we're doing takedowns for 30 second goes instead of airdyne for 30 second goes. I think we can interplay those two as long as the athlete has a good understanding of what we're doing and why we're changing to that modality. Well, and also like just coming from the wrestling world, we have this analogy. What's the best way to get into wrestling shape to wrestle uh, to wrestle, but that can also be a toxic term. That's where we're talking about where it's, it, you're figuring out, you need to have that intent based around what you're doing, right? You can't just do 30 minute grind matches every day to get into wrestling shape. Yeah. That leads to that leads to wear down. That leads to burnout. That leads to athletes resenting you as a coach, which is not which is not good, right? While it's going to make them quote unquote tougher, we talked about last week. That is not a that is not an explanation for why you do something. Is just to make an athlete tougher. An athlete gets tougher by competing. An athlete gets tougher by training. That that's a that's a subsection. That's not the whole point. Yeah. So. In, in the wrestling community, that's that's something that a good way to get into wrestling shape is wrestling, but you also need to add in these different modalities to mix up the stimulus. Yeah, and I, I think in a snapshot, what we're trying to say with, with this conditioning is specific versus general strength conditioning versus uh, on the mat. I think there's such an interplay that we need to almost eliminate those two silos of knowledge. We need to not have this athlete does strength and conditioning this way and then he does wrestling and it's only wrestling. I think we need to kind of crumble those together mm -hmm. and understand that there's a physiological impact regardless of what we do. And better yet, we as coaches can plan that out for the best results from training that we can find. You know, maybe again, without doing hypotheticals, we can work collaboratively as coaches. We can seek to understand each other's viewpoints and then create a better package for the athlete rather than both of us doing our own thing. Yeah. And not, not to beat a dead horse, but bringing it back to what our, our ethos, what building a fighter is, that's the whole point. Listening to this podcast, looking at our future courses, just downloading one of Alex's programs. If you're a skill coach and just figuring out what it actually means and asking questions, that's what makes you better. And that's what makes you, I guess, a, a conjoined, like a conjoined group, somebody that's working for the betterment of the athlete, not just working for the betterment of yourself. And so many times in individual sports, you're working, you're trying to take control of the situation. You can't have four people trying to take control of one athlete situation. It needs to be the athletes in charge and everybody else is, or, or a head coach is in charge, I guess. 
and everybody else is trying to figure out what's the best thing for them. Because if everybody isn't working towards the same goal, there's only one person that's going to have a detriment to that. And that's going to be at the detriment of the athlete. It's not going to be the detriment of you. You're going to get paid and you're going to be able to, you're going to look great, but they're going to try to figure out why their performance suffered. And it's going to be, there's people pulling on all their limbs. If people pull on all your limbs that are a pretty high pace, your body's going to rip. Yeah, man. And just exactly what you're saying. Ego is such a big trip in that, you know, and I've, I've been there as a strength coach too. You know, I'm the strength coach. I understand the most exercise science and physiology. I'm the leader of this team. Right. And it's not about that. It's not about me needing to, you know, puff my chest and, and pound on it and say that I'm the leader of this team. I should be playing everything else. I think it's more about working collaboratively and understanding who is going to be the leader of that team. If your athlete has a great picture of what their training looks like and they know, and they're veteran and they know what type of camps work for them, they can be the quarterback. Or if they have a head, trusted head coach that works technically with them and they can rely on you for your services as a strength and conditioning coach adapt to what they're doing and be able to flow with that fluidly or understand as a PT what they're doing in their sessions or understand as a technical coach what's happening all around these this athlete around the sport um so again it's more about just collaboration and teamwork and and swallowing your pride swallowing the ego yeah so i mean i want to leave it there i think we gave some nuggets we gave some knowledge nuggets weekly wisdom is what i've been calling it i have i have a, <laughs> I have a few quotes on my Actually, my strength and conditioning at the gym, I have a few quotes on the whiteboard. It's weekly wisdom. Uh, one of the ones up there that I think applies to this podcast is more does not equal better. Exactly. I would rather my athletes be 20% undertrained than 1% overtrained. All right. Thank you guys all for listening. Thanks for hopefully you gleaned some of the knowledge here within the sport coach and the strength coach and uh, healthcare dynamic and how we can collaborate there. But again, thank you guys for all your support. Look forward to hearing with you and interacting with you later. Yep. Talk to y'all later. If you got to contact us, shoot us a message at the emails or Instagrams in the show notes. And like I said, during the podcast, be on the lookout for courses coming up or just knowledge in general at both of our Instagram pages. So talk to y'all later. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.